today I am talking to Emiliano Sanchez. Emiliano is um, um, he's an expert on online gambling. Been working in the industry for quite a while. Um, he has worked for yeah multiple brands uh, of online gambling companies, and uh, he's from Costa Rica, living in Prague in the Czech Republic, and. Uh, we discussed a little bit uh, how it is to be from Costa Rica, what it means. Uh, they have a lot of interesting stuff going on there, actually. It's uh, one of those countries that I think we, in general, don't know very much about. But, uh, yeah, interesting stuff about, you know, environment, recycling, green energy. And, uh, like, yeah, they, they, didn't, they don't have a military, so they put the money into education and, and more constructive things and so on. Check that out. And then, yeah, he told me, we talked a lot about this gambling and uh, from different angles and the dangers and and the interesting parts and the entertainment part and and so on and where the industry is going and what effect uh, COVID had on online gambling. Uh, in my mind, online gambling has um, a relatively bad name somehow, but um, uh, maybe that will change. Um, it seems to be that the companies in the industry want to be seen in a more positive light than they maybe historically have been. But uh, yeah, Emiliano had a lot to say and uh, he drank a bottle of Jack Daniels while we did this talk and a beer as well. So so we had a lot of fun recording this and uh, Emiliano left drunk. A um, little bit about the sponsors, Alfred Jobs, um, available in Czech, English and Slovak, Alfred.cz and also in the App Store, Alfred Jobs app. And there you can set up a job watch and uh, anything you need to find a new job and the jobs get sent your way. So basically Alfred does the job for you and you don't need to search anymore. And then the old bar, old bar Prague, uh, check that out, available for takeaway and uh, deliveries. A new address in Seifertoa in Shishkov, uh, Seifertoa 21, close to... The crossing of Seifertoa and Italska, great place, great food, amazingly healthy, and uh, yeah, no one leaves unhappy from the old bar. Check it out. Thank you, guys. So, welcome, Emiliano Sanchez. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. I've been following the podcast for a while already. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very interesting. It's, it's very fun to listen and all the stories and all the people. I do enjoy it. That's great to hear. And I'm happy you brought a, a little bottle of, of Jack Daniels. What, what's a little bottle for you? That's half a liter. No, that's, this is 350. Ah, so it's very okay. little. It's just, a, yeah. Yeah, just a tasty. Just, just, just for the podcast, you know. Yeah. That's good. Then you're halfway through the bottle now and we're just starting. Well, yeah, you know, you have to get into the mood, right? So you yeah. have to loosen up a little. Yeah, that's true. Um, so we met actually through our, our, our mutual barber, Craig, the American barber in Prague, who actually was on my first, uh, second and third episode, I think, of the podcast. And yeah, we, we met at his birthday party last summer. During that really short window where COVID gave us a summer holiday. Yeah, when we had the chance still to sit down like human beings and meet other people yeah. before the whole lockdown again and yeah. the whole mess the, the the government did over here. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. I remember that. And we, yeah, we, we met there. And then I found out that you are actually specialized in online gambling. Yeah, I've, been, I've been in the industry for some years already. Yeah, and, and you, you worked for over 30 casino brands. Um, two poker brands and four sports betting brands 
Yeah, yeah, that's more on the B2C side, but I also have work on the B2B side with game providers and platform development and mm. different other companies as well. Like systems for gambling. It's system developed for gambling specifically, you know. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, you live here in Prague. Yeah, I've been living uh, thankfully here already four years. This is my fifth year. I'm trying to learn Czech. It's mm. going very slowly, but it's going, which uh-huh. is important. Yeah. Uh, and the idea is uh, so far... Um, I'm here. I don't plan to leave, but mm. you never know. But so no. far, everything is good. My wife loves it. I love it. People are nice. Mm. Once you cross, break the ice, right? Mm. And what about the Czech lessons? Do you bring a Czech Daniels bottle there, or, or no? But there is more like gin and tonic, uh-huh. or Slivovice or Beherovka, but that's a different topic. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you you are from Costa Rica. Yes, yes, born, raised in Costa Rica. And uh, I, I visited Costa Rica myself three years ago. I, I, I was fascinated by that country, and it actually turned out to be very different from what I had imagined. And how just how how was it there? I mean, are you from a big family? How 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 is the life in Costa Rica in general? Well, I think uh, all all Latin families are big by default, right? People are very close. You get to know uh, really well your uncles, your aunts, your cousins. Every big celebration everything gets everyone gets together in the house right so you always see in every year the same 20 30 people the new babies coming in um growing over there was actually beautiful I, i'm very thankful for for the effort of my mom my dad my grandparents uh, and even my brother right and the uprising of us um over there is is like you have this idea of Costa Rica, there's two main ideas that you can see outside, right? Mm-hmm. It's the paradise, uh, the place of, of Pura Vida, the place of of the happiest country in the world. And then you get the news from the US, right? That there is basically narcos everywhere and there is violence and you get there and you're gonna get mugged immediately. I think um, both has a little bit of truth, but it's not so exaggerated, especially the bad part because uh, the part of biodiversity and the part of, of, of society over there, Costa Rica is one of the most advanced countries in Central America. It has one of the best healthcare systems in the world as well. It has high education systems, and in fact, it doesn't have an army since the 50s, uh, which allowed the country to invest all the money in healthcare and education, while the rest of Central America was investing in guns and tanks and everything, right? So the, the, the life over there is very similar to Czech Republic, except that people are friendlier yeah. than Czech Republic. And you can drive two hours and you get to a beach or you can go to the mountain or you can go, mm. you know, you have all these places available around. Mm. And it's volcanic. I mean, you have vo- volcanoes there. Yeah, we do have several active volcanoes. Mm. And in fact, there is one of the, there is one hotel in Alajuela that is uh, considered one of the top 10 hotels worldwide. Mm. The pool is made with thermal waters from the volcano. You can get a suite that you can actually see the volcano with a private pool. Mm. It's just beautiful. I, uh, because I, I remember when when we went there, actually, what you were saying, I, I um, uh, we kind of added, we, we traveled uh, around the world for six months and, and backpacking, and then we added Costa Rica kind of last minute, then... And of course, yeah, I went into TripAdvisor and all these things and started reading. And I, I remember we landed in the middle of the night at the airport. And based on what I've been reading, 
I just kind of thought we'd be shot at the airport. You know, we wouldn't even make <laughs> it out of there. You know, and then we, you know, we took a taxi to a guest house or like a hostel, and we stayed there one night. And then yeah. we went into the to Mont, what's it called? Mont- Monteverde. Yeah, Monteverde. That's beautiful over yeah. there. Yeah. Which is like a, a mountain jungle, or yeah, yeah. You can do all that, all that zip canopy, lining, the yeah. zip lining, all the stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful. But then it, yeah, then I found out actually that that all the reviews that that. Um, made me scared of being killed there were written by Americans that seem to be scared of everything. Yeah, well, the thing is this, right? I mean, like in any country, you know, you can, you, if you go to a bad part of the other city and you don't know the city, you don't know, you're not from there, you don't speak the language, of course you can be targeted, right? Like, uh, my line of business allows me to travel a lot, you know? So whenever you travel to a new country, you have to be mind about your surroundings. You have to have certain... Uh, security for yourself because it doesn't matter how safe it is. It's always going to be bad actors, right? Um, and the thing about, especially in Costa Rica, is these reviews done by the U.S., unfortunately, negative reviews will always stand out over positive reviews, and that's normal. You know, however, I can tell you from every person who had a bad experience in Costa Rica because they have been and they have been in the news and everything, you have 10,000, 100,000 people who had no issues. They had the best time of their yeah. lives. And there is no coincidence. It's kind of like COVID. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, 0.03% dies, but the rest of us survives. Exactly. Something like that. But that doesn't mean you're not, exactly, you're not going to travel over mm. there, right? Mm. And at the end, um, the, the thing about, as well, in Costa Rica, all these, it becomes, and it's the reason why Costa Rica is one of the main spots for the Americans, the U.S. citizens, to go there for vacations and to mm. retirement. Mm. In fact, right now, it's getting so wild because of all the tourists from the U.S. that is an actually expensive place to do tourism. Yeah. You know? If you want to get a property in the beach uh, with a front in the beach, it's not going to cost you less than a million dollars, which is a lot of money. Yeah. But how... how so this whole Pura Vida um, philosophy, if you can say, because that's kind of like when, when I came to Costa Rica, everybody was just Pura Vida, Pura Vida, Pura Vida. It's, what does that mean? I mean, exactly in, in direct translation and then... Yeah, of course. Like, uh, there's two main things, two, two words that are used in Costa Rica, like Pura Vida, which means pure life, means uh, we use it for everything, you know. It's a statement about life that is good, that everything is fine, you know. Hey, nice to see you. Yeah, Pura Vida, you know, and everything is good, you know. So it goes well into the Costa Rican DNA, right, about this concept of happiness. Because at the end, you know, if you're stressed at work, you grab your car, you drive an hour, you're in the beach. And you forget about everything for a weekend, right? And uh, it's something that you don't find in most of the cities. And that's uh, one of the benefits in Costa Rica. And the other word that we use is my, which is basically how we refer to to dude. You know, that's the, the, the equivalent of dude or, or, or Paul or, you know. Yeah, so we use my a lot and we use Pura Vida is just like the, the marketing symbol because we use it so much, you know. But it means also, like... There are also, let's say, structural and cultural and political things that that kind of fall under the Pura Vida umbrella. I mean, some, some uh, how do you say, environmental policy and recycling and, and, and these yeah. kind of clean energy. Yeah, like Costa Rica has been focusing a lot on, on becoming green. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly, yeah. Costa Rica 
it's a small territory. We're talking about 55,000 square kilometers. In fact, the territorial waters of Costa Rica are like three times bigger than the land. So we, we have uh, the water stretches all the way almost to Colombia, where we have an island that is close, closer to Colombia but belongs to Costa Rica. But in terms of, of, of the green part of Costa Rica, like right now, it's a zero, like a zero carbon footprint country. It's been trying to invest a lot in renewable energies and geothermal energies, even before it became trendy. Yeah. Like I've been hearing about it since I was a kid mm -hmm. in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that this is a small country still contains about 3% of the world biodiversity. You can go to the rainforest, you can go to the Caribbean, have the beers. You can go to the Pacific, have the different biodiversity. You can go to the mountain, to the volcanoes. You can go to the mountains. You can go to the to the Pacific North, which is very dry. You know, so you have all these extremes, micro, yeah, yeah microsystems yeah. that allows you to experience all this biodiversity. And since the seventies, there was a lot of deforestation, right? There was massive deforestation in Costa Rica, and in the seventies was the turning point that. The government decided to go green. They start increasing the protector areas, and Costa Rica recover a lot of that lost rainforest. And now it's just a paradise. Mm, yeah, it is. I definitely I remember it was it was amazing. It was amazing actually to visit. It's it's uh, and I would love to to go there again. It, it was yeah, on yeah, the, it was on the same on the same day. You can go to the mountain. You can visit the river and end up and end up end up surfing in a in a great spot because even in Costa Rica we have one of the best surfing spots worldwide that you can find all these pros from Hawaii that they go to Costa Rica to surf. There is a really famous one that I actually was there doing volunteer work that is called Witch Rock. So you basically you go to the Pacific North. You have to go like. 12 kilometers inside to get to the beach, but this road is like, you can you can access it in summer by a four by four in winter and rainy season. You can only access it by foot. And once you get it, you will see a beautiful beach and a big rock in the middle of the water. So that mm -hmm. rock splits the, the waves, waves. Uh -huh. and all the surfers go there. Uh -huh. I had a horrible experience in, in Tam Tamari Tamarino. Tamarino. Yeah, uh, I... I uh, because I'm a meat guy, you know, I eat, I eat almost only meat, uh, no fruit, no vegetables, and uh, I'm what they would call a carnivore. And uh, yeah, the lion diet, as yeah, they say it, right? Yes, and uh, <laughs> and then I I I, I, I don't know, we we're waiting for something in in the city there, or you know, on the yeah, on the main street. I mean, it's not really a city; it's more like a town. And then uh, we wandered into some sort of a organic store, and and uh, and the guy who was uh, running it, he, for some strange reason, went to me and said, "Just so you know, we get fresh kale on Tuesdays and Saturdays." And um, I, I don't know why he wanted me to buy buy kale or even consider that, but uh, it was. Uh, you, you look vegetarian. Yeah, it was very traumatizing for me. I thought, <laughs> oh, okay, what's wrong with me now? You have to do something about the style, man. Yeah, exactly. But well, the, the thing is that there's like always there's trending places and trending diets, right? Yeah, yeah. But the beautiful, uh, the, another thing about Costa Rica is that we have influx also about Europeans. Mm. So there's some specific beaches that you can find restaurants right in the beach where you have the people from the European countries cooking European food. Yeah. I found one Swedish one actually that was yeah. doing Swedish food. You can find Italian restaurants mm -hmm. in the beach run by Italians. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you can find Hindu restaurants run by Hindus, Spanish mm. restaurants run by Spanish people. You know, you really find mm. all this diversity because once people get there, they know the people, they yeah. understand that put a bit of feeling. Yeah. They don't want to leave. No, I, and and here you are in Prague. You left. <laughs> I did the opposite, I suppose, because every time I tell people I come from Costa Rica, the same question pops. What are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I even get that from Iceland. Why the fuck are you here, you know? Well, Iceland is quite interesting. I, 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 I'm, lo I'm, I'm waiting and hoping I can go in the near future because I have heard about people going there and I've seen the videos and it's just amazing. Yeah. I just hope that the time I go there, nothing explodes as well. No, right? no, I won't. <laughs> and if it explodes, the outcome will be beautiful anyway. <laughs> uh, were you a good kid? Yeah, well, define good kid. Like the uprising, yeah. At the moment, you get the teenage, right? Puberty hits. I think everyone has a little bit of imbalance there. Um, at that point, uh, when I was in high school, I guess, um, that's when I started getting myself into music, you know, you know, putting the studies a little bit on the side. I was doing the skateboarding at that point with my brother and everything. So I was a little bit all over the place. Um, but quickly after that is when I actually got into physics and I became in love with that. So... But the music, tell me a little bit about music. You played, you played in some bands or... or well, I, I did play in a couple of bands, but it was like high school bands, but they were like punk-oriented, right? And some rock and metal-oriented as well. And I did play for a couple of years, uh, running, running around from high school to high school, doing shows, right, with, with my friends. It was a lot of a trending at that point. You know, you, you create your own rock band and then you're going from, from school to school, doing tours, meeting people, you know, these high school tours or whatever. Um, and the thing is that, of course, my family uh, have a heavy music background. My grandfather played, my cousins played, my dad plays, my brother played. So it was a little bit of peer pressure to get into the music, right? But yeah, it, it's actually nice and, and it really, I think, it helps you because it does... Uh, you, if you want to play an instrument, you have to have discipline. There's no other way. There's no shortcut, right? And I did inherit like a good ear from my dad, and that was actually good for me, and that allowed me to pick up the bass and, and mm. play quite mm. really fast, right, what I was learning. But were you a rock star then? I mean, I know you were not super famous, but like, did you feel like a rock star when you were doing this? Well, of course, right? There's that, that, that emotional component of, yeah. of the music, right? Not only in composition, but sometimes when you're playing a song that you really like. Mm. I do remember one one party that we had in high school, and, and some guys decided that they were going to start playing that beautiful people from Mary Manson, and yeah. jump into the bass and start doing it, and yeah, you release everything there. So yeah. it is amazing. Yeah. And the girls and the drinks and the drugs and the more about the, the girls at that point and some drinks you know yeah. the drugs were a little bit later uh-huh the girls uh, they're always there i suppose yeah. <laughs> but i it's 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 part of yeah i remember i had a band as a teenager as well and it was it's a special feeling when you play music with you know three four other people and you're creating something or doing something and you you get the symbiosis somehow it's a unique feeling. Yeah, of course, because like you're sharing and then you're composing and you're playing, mm. and then the people sync with you, and it's hard to explain. You cannot put it in words. Yeah. That that type of you're communicating without saying anything, yeah, exactly. just with the music. Exactly. But yeah, so so sorry. Yeah, you 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 got into physics. That that that's no rock and roll. Uh, no, not at all. That was um, it was a weird trip. I will mm. say, you know, I always, when I was studying physics, I always tell people, you know, 
if you studied physics, you don't need drugs, you know. You yeah. already go, you're yeah. a little bit, there's something wrong with you a little bit already. Mm. You don't need to get high or anything, you mm. know. Because um, it's heavy math. And, and even though I was in love with physics in high school, when I, I got into college, I, I enrolled into physics, but I spent like two years just reading philosophy and studying like psychology, nothing to do with physics. And then I actually started to get heavy into the physics, and then you realize um, the beauty that it has, the math, how everything goes together, you know, how you can explain natural phenomena with mathematics, and you can predict, and you can create models, and you can do suppositions and hypotheses, and then you can prove them. You know, so it's, it is very interesting understanding how things work. Mm. But what came first, the theory, or was the theory written to fit a reality? You know, yeah, you know, that's that's the, the eternal struggle between experimental mm. physics and 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 theoretical physics, mm. right? But if you start going and looking into the juggernauts, you know, mm. we're talking about Newton, Faraday, uh, Maxwell, Einstein. Um, uh, and the way they use math mm. to understand the cosmos and the universe and the microverse as well, it, it just blows your mind. Mm. When you start like when you start studying like really like a special and general relativity and it's a very heavy mathematical apparatus because they're not using Euclidean geometry. They're mm. using non Euclidean geometry, so mm. everything changes. Mm. Uh, the math doesn't add up, you know. Two plus two it stops being four. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. And okay, then you don't need any drugs. <laughs> it's <laughs> exactly. Mm. But once you make predictions with that, it it really is exciting. You know, mm. that's why you have all this hype about science, and you have all these shows about science, and you have series like Rick and Morty because I think there's something intrinsic in humans that they want to understand. Yeah, you know, especially yeah, yeah. nowadays. But and that took you. I mean, you, 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 you worked in atom research and and like these kind of stuff, right? Or you got into something like that? Yeah, like after after the first two years, when I started taking more seriously physics, right? Um, I I I had the opportunity to do an internship in uh, atomic research uh, facility in Costa Rica. Mm. It's the only one that they had, and the same university that I was. So I was working for them for a couple of months for free, just learning. It was I was doing um, nuclear traces. So basically, we had we were measuring the absorption of borum in the coffee plants, and to do that, we just uh, feed borum to the plant, and then we bombard the leaf with alpha particles, and the hole that you they leave is mm. the borum atom because it becomes an alpha, it burns to the leaf, and the hole you can see with a microscope. So I was in the microscope every after, every afternoon counting on a grid holes in a leaf mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was i do it for like two months until i got like a, a full contract with them and a scholarship and i would start working with them and then i moved into a gamma lower energy radiation for a while i did radon trading and uh, training and i also then after that my main focus become became x-ray fluorescence that i was working over there in the lab so the, these, the, what the what this lab was doing is then to because I mean you grow a lot of coffee in Costa Rica, so they they were that that was one study that they were doing. Yeah, you know? to enhance the 
coffee plant or, or yeah to to measure the absorption because boron was one of the main components of the fertilizers for coffee uh-huh. so they want to understand how best uh, the how how we can improve yeah yeah what's the right mixture of exact- boron into the fertilizer to get the, the maximum exactly uh-huh. So that was one of the objectives of that, but that, that institute was very focused on, on medical physics as well. Uh, so they were doing a lot of experimentation as well on 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 measuring radiation on the human body, how they can apply to to physical to medical sciences as well. Uh, the other areas that I was involved, like the low radiation and gamma, we did studies of contamination in rivers, for example, of heavy metals. So we take we went through a river all the way up, taking measures of of water and and ground, so we can actually analyze what particles were coming out after we bombarded them, so we can create a spectrum, so we can understand what was going, how the contamination of heavy metals that was happening over there, and X-ray fluorescence is actually I think it was the most exciting it's uh, exciting part of it because I was involved. Not only on taking samples, we're doing a study that was actually um, endorsed by the International Air Atomic Energy or, uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, Organization. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's sponsored by the UN, basically. Mm. And we we're measuring um, dust particles in the air, so we can use multivariate statistical analysis to understand the molecules that compose that dust mm-hmm. through x-ray fluorescence and determine the sources of contamination yeah so where what created the contamination exactly where mm-hmm. where this coming from what uh-huh. were the main focus of those particles and at the same time wasn't it all volcanic <laughs> well there is a lot of traffic like if you think in Czech Republic is traffic you have to see Costa Rica mm. and uh, on the other side we were selling services so we were for example uh, we, we took samples from uh, the National Museum of indigenous uh, artifacts to mm. measure the concentration of gold and silver by mm. radiating with X-rays. Mm-hmm. You know? So all this part was very interesting. And and did you ever split an atom or, or do some <laughs> bombing thing or like did, was there ever like a smoke out of the lab? No, no smoke. But I did learn how to make a dirty bomb. Okay. And <laughs> it's not nice. It's kind of it's kind of fucked up. But you kind of learn that by you know, on the sides, especially if you're working in nuclear physics. Uh, it must be a delicate stuff to work with. I mean, it, it is very delicate, mm-hmm. you know, at the end, uh, no matter how small the sample it is, mm-hmm. if you have a radioactive sample, yeah, it's you, have to, yeah. you, you cannot touch it. You, you have to be very careful because mm-hmm. at the end, it can have long-term effects, you know, it can create yeah. some cells that uh, cancer end, become, and, become yeah. cancer, yeah. exactly, so... Mm. Yeah, you have to learn all this stuff before you can actually start working with anything. You have to take courses, you have to mm. do extra uh, preparations. I used to have like a permit by the health ministry in Costa Rica to be able to handle these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you were radioactive for a while? Well, I, I, I like to think that I still are, but... Mm. <laughs> um, and then this uh, t- during this, you were also you were very involved in student politics. Yes, like um, when I was in, 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 in physics, right? And this time, actually, when I was working in the lab, um, I went into this um, leadership course by the Friedrich Elbert Foundation. It's actually a German foundation, which is Social Democrat. And they were building leaders. At that time, I was uh, also president of the Physics Student Association. 
So I went in a year for training with them. Every every once a month, we took a weekend to go into the mountains with a bunch of people to do negotiation, leadership, all this stuff, right? And from there, I jump into the lead of the stunning body senate. Let's say, call it this way, right? I was the main coordinator of the studying body in Costa Rica. And we're talking about the main university in Costa Rica, right? So we're talking about 26,000 students, uh, about 130 associations, including the different branches of the university in different other towns, right? And at that point, it is, I was, I mean, we're talking about a kid, 22 years old, 23 years old, handling a budget of half a million dollars in equipment for different associations and stuff, right? Mm. Didn't you just spend it all on booze? I wish. Yeah. I did have my, my own office, but yeah. I only had coffee there. Yeah. And maybe the occasional girlfriend to come visit after hours, but that's another topic. <laughs> but no, we actually supply equipment to different regions. We actually supply equipment to associations, to, especially in, in the outskirts of Costa Rica, of San Jose, of the main mm. city. You mm. want to provide them computers and and, and technolo technology mm. so that students can also learn and grow over there, right? Mm. And you were involved in this uh, trade agreement with the, the U.S. Well, Costa Rica did like a trade agreement with North America, right? Yeah, there was the CAFTA. It was the Central American Free Trade Agreement, mm. of, uh, right? So when the negotiations started, uh, they were very unfair to Central America. And, and just an example, like part of the reading law stated like the U.S. can give uh, money to their farmers to make their prices cheaper. Mm. But yeah, us, yeah. you subsidi they're subsidized. But us, we couldn't. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you know it's unfair. Mm. But in the change, you get access to their market. But in the change, they get access to our market. We but they sell us. Yeah. Exactly. So at that point, the president was promising everyone that after sign, everyone will have a BMW. Uh -huh. and, and, and for more... As, as you know how real it is, yeah. people still bought it, right? But of course, the syndicates, and there was a lot of us who were doing an effort to educate people. I was organizing um, uh, forums of people every week, every Thursday in physics, you know, with different experts uh, mm. talking about the different negotiations or different deals because uh, of different, the impact that it has, mm -hmm. the reality of the deal. And at the end, uh, the whole university joined the strikes. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of strikes that were organized. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was organizing all these 26,000 students mm -hmm. to go into a strike. So you were like uh, Fidel Castro? Not like Fidel Castro, but more like, um, I like to think more like a, a student movement, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end, uh, we were moving for something that we believe was correct. And you point. got it in the end? No, we lost. No, <laughs> but but the whole thing it was signed because it was it was meant. Like, I mean, we're talking about five, six different countries that mm. you cannot compare yeah, their yeah. economies with the yeah, U.S. Yeah. They have to budge. Yeah. We're just trying to fight to make sure that you got the best out of it that you yeah. possibly could. So there was pressure on the government. There were things that were done. It mm. wasn't completely lost, mm. but. Most of the things the government actually give it to the U.S. So, so yeah, they're twenty twenty two years old organizing strikes against a multinational contract that your country is about to sign and at the same time bleeding atoms in a, in a lab. 
Yeah, give or take. Yeah. yeah, that was between. Yeah, that was basically my life between 22 to 24 years old. Okay, that and and of course uh, getting hammered in in on Friday or Saturday at the at the bar by the by the university with my friends and that's it. You know, yeah. life was really good. Was yes. pura vida. Yeah, pura vida. Um, but then you get into the online gambling. How 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 does that come around? Or gambling in general. I mean, what 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 kind of brought you there? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because um, there was, I think, when I go back and I think about my life about gambling, I think there was one movie that changed things for me that at that point I became, like, I love one specific way of gambling. You know, I, I grew up, my dad taught me how to play blackjack. I was playing blackjack with my mom, with my dad and their friends and my brother when I was growing up. So I already knew a little bit about gambling, what it was all about, you know playing blackjack with my friends and stuff. Uh, but when I saw Maverick, I don't know if you remember that movie. It was with Mel Gibson. It's like a Western. That guy is a poker yeah, player. Yeah, it's a very yeah, classic yeah. movie. Uh, I love that movie. And then in high school, I remember we were playing a poker tournament and I won it the same way Maverick won it, you know, with the last card becoming the ace of his page. And then I'm showing my cards. I have a straight all the way to ace. And the guys couldn't believe it. So at that point, I became in love with poker. Um, then the years passed, I went to college and everything. At a certain point, I had to um, help my family because it was a dire situation because different things, right, in life that happens and you need to support your family. And I was uh, actually going looking for jobs, right? So the, it was my first time looking for a job after um, after the whole laboratory and everything, right? Um, I found like a shitty job for a time. It was like selling like machines to restaurants in the u.s so they can pass the credit card it was some bullshit like some cold calling bullshit and the same token i was talking to a friend who started working at a poker company so i said i want that so i applied once never called applied twice never called the third time i applied they actually called me in and i did all the tests all the stuff that they needed because you have to go to this type of test that they put you on um and I managed to get in. So I really start low. You know, I start picking up phone calls in a call center in Costa Rica with 50 different agents, picking phone calls of people who want to make a deposit into a poker site, and you're helping them make a deposit. Yeah, but just imagine customer support, but you're taking phone calls, chats, and emails at the same time, eight hours a day, sometimes nine, sometimes five days a week, sometimes six, you know. I was really hammering myself down there. But I moved quickly from there to tech support, from tech to support to VAP, and then, you know, the whole career started kind of unfolding before my eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Certain point, I was already, like, the more I got into, the more I love it, you know. Mm -hmm. But did you play yourself then? I mean, were you still playing poker? I mean, or blackjack and poker and stuff like oh, that? Of were course, you? of course. Like sometimes I went to the casino to play blackjack mm -hmm. and in the company, and that's one things that I do recognize from the industry, from all the different type of poker sites that you can gamble. Poker-oriented companies they usually train their employees into poker to learn how to play poker because usually poker players they know what they're doing. You know, they play because they have a strike, you know. And the only way you can address and talk to them is if you understand the game. Like, if you're an expert in a field or you like a field and they come and start telling you about it without me actually playing, I'm going to look like a fucking dumbass. Yeah, I don't want to listen to 
So this company was a US-based company. So they believe a lot of, of up-training the staff. So there were trainings of all the time, of all the things, but there were specific trainings like every week you had to play poker. It was like the fight club, right? So instead of fighting, you're playing poker, you know? If this is your first night here, you have to play, you know, kind of stuff. And, and they did actually, like, they had tournaments, company-wise. We had tournaments physical where you're playing with your uh, co-workers face-to-face with tables and everything in rounds and, and moving like a tournament. And they had others online when they invited the pro players of the website, like the faces of the website in the WSOP and all the international tournaments. And they were there playing with you. And talking to you in the chat, and, and you know, it was actually fun. I, I actually I met Scott Ian from um, Anthrax. Yeah, he was a he was a pro player for us. Really, I I I I, I met him. I talked on the phone with uh, what's the name? The guy from Metallica, Lars um, Ulrich or no, James Hetfield, uh, Kirk Hammett. Kirk Hammett. They, they, Scott Ian organized like this. Well, they organized this kind of rock tournament where it was Scott Ian. Uh, Kirk, Kirk Hammett and like like two more guys, uh-huh. and we got a call from Kirk Hammett because he couldn't log in into his fucking account. So we're <laughs> helping the guy log in. Super nice guy, I have to yeah, admit. Both yeah. of them, they're super nice guys. It's funny because you know the guy. It's funny how you mentioned Scott Ian from Anthrax. I mean, Anthrax is one of those big big four thrust metal bands out of yeah, California. Yeah. Well, actually, they were from New York, but uh, but Scott Ian is from Huntington Beach in in California, and and when I stayed in Costa Rica. I stayed with his friend. Really? It's, it's just funny that you then mention him now, you know. The world is smaller than you believe, uh, right? Exactly, exactly. And, uh, but how, how, how is it like um, online gambling and, or gambling in general in Costa Rica? Is that like, a, is there a big connection somehow between Costa Rica and gambling? Or, or is it a big business there or is it just outsourced from the U.S. customer care or whatever? Well, Costa Ricans themselves, they're big in lottery. Mm-hmm. And, and the laws in Costa Rica don't allow any other lottery provider than like, Gov- the, the, the government one, yeah. right? You have the land-based casinos, which are allowed. Online gambling is not allowed at all. But Costa Rica, uh, as, as I was saying before, they, have, uh, they invested all this money in education and healthcare, so they have really educated people who actually speak good English. So for long years, for a long time, Costa Rica was the spot for these U.S. companies to come to Costa Rica to put the call centers. And you have big companies. HP had a, still have a shit ton of offices in Costa Rica. You have Intel. Intel was developing their chips in Costa Rica. Mm. And I still, they have something left there. And you have all these multinational companies in Costa Rica that they located there because it was cheaper than the U.S. labor. And educated. And educated mm. and technological advance and good healthcare and everything, mm. right? Mm. Until India came along and then they started moving to India, but that's another thing. Mm. But uh, Costa Rica quickly be- became one of the preferred sites to set up gambling operations starting in the U.S. And there is a lot of companies in Costa Rica that not only target the U.S. now, they target different markets, but mm. you can see there is a history in Costa Rica of having uh, these kind of sports betting poker sites and casinos, in fact. But I'll, only uh, operating for foreign markets. For foreign markets, uh-huh. never internally. Uh-huh. Never okay. internally. And, and a lot of my friends, even when I was in college, 
most of my friends, they had experience in sports betting because they've been working in the industry for years. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you do have these behemoth companies there that nobody knows about that they deal with online gambling. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not only there, like you start seeing hubs appearing everywhere all mm-hmm. over the world and they target different niche markets. And so Costa Rica is kind of the hub for... Yeah, Costa Rica quickly become a hub. Like, you you still have big players, But for of what region? For for Central America and, the, and North America? Or, I or? think I think America in general. Okay. Because you have big sites targeting different markets that are run from Costa Rica because of the experience of the people that they had that they were running through the U.S. market. But you also have, like, uh, uh, sites in Costa Rica that are targeting Asian markets. You have sites in Costa Rica targeting European markets. Costa Rica became a hub for online gambling. And I'm not saying it's the only hub. You have really good companies in Mexico, of course, like Caliente. You have big companies in, in Colombia, in Peru, in Argentina as well. But Costa Rica got, like, if you go to Costa Rica and you open a company and you put an ad for sports betting, you're going to have, like, thousands of applicants all with fucking experience, you know, of moving lines or dealing this or doing that or whatever, you know. And, and uh, that's one of the key points that Costa Rica had. And you can compare it easily with other countries. Like in Europe, uh, you have Malta and, and the UK, but mostly Malta. You know, Malta is basically gambling. You go to Asia, you have Philippines. Philippines is basically gambling. It's the same as Costa Rica, but targeting China. It's the same thing all over the place. But, uh, uh, I mean, gambling... Of course, online gambling didn't didn't exist until online existed. <laughs> uh, well, I think I think there is there is a, a before and after story, you know. Yeah. Because, uh, but there is also a current because I mean, offline gambling still. I mean, casinos are still alive, and 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 I'm just curious, you know, like uh, uh, if if you know, like you know, what we know from 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 movies and TV series, then we see this kind of glamorous industry people are nicely dressed there are fancy drinks in high glasses and and you know good looking stuff and everything is polished and fine and 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 this is very much i mean i've been to casinos in las vegas multiple times and this is very much the reality of casinos the land-based casinos that's what you see you know when you're a land-based and this is the key difference right if you're a vap player right and you're gonna spend money because you spend money you can win But the reality is the long term, no matter if it's land-based or online, the long term, the house wins. That's mm-hmm. that's the undeniable. idea. That's the idea. So you have to understand that gambling is a form of entertainment and leisure, right? So if you're running a landing place and you you know a VAP player, a guy who comes in and he's gonna drop, I don't know, half a million, a million or more in the slots or in the table games in a weekend, he wins, he lost, you know it's a long term thing, you know? So then yes, you have his VAP host, you have the pit boss. You, you fly the guy in the company jet, you give him the best suit, you give him tickets to whatever the fuck he wants to go, but he stays there playing. That's it. No matter. Like, he cannot go across it. He stays there to play. And that's the whole objective because it's a long-term game. Gambling as an industry is a long-term. It's not a short-term game. You know, you win today, you're going to lose it in the next three years back. You know, in the last two years, in the next week. Depends on you. But you're going to lose it. You have to retain those players. And that's the whole idea. Now, um, of course, um, the online gambling, it became a boom, um, I will say about 20 years ago, maybe a little bit before, oh, by the dot-com, give or take. 
but especially poker became especially popular after Chris Moneymaker. This guy, he came in, nobody knew the fucking guy. He rolled on into a poker star tournament. It was a free roll. He won it. Then he won into another tournament. He won it. That qualified him into another tournament. He won all the way up until he won an entry into the World Series of Poker in 2001, I believe. It's a 10,000 plus 1,000 tournament, US dollars. And he fucking won it. So with zero money, he won, I believe it was like $2.5 million or something like that at that point. And after that, it became a boom. After that story of Chris Moneymaker, and you can look it online, the whole he, the whole industry changed. In uh-huh. yeah. Just one guy. Just one guy. When the whole history, he won the WSOP. When the history, the history of the guy came out that he qualified from a free roll without one dime spent, and he won all this money. People just said, "If he can do it, I can do it." Exactly. Wow, it's kind of like Bitcoin. If if someone <laughs> can make money on it, I can. Exactly, exactly. If they are, if if I can, be, if they become millionaires. I can become millionaires as well. Yeah. Yeah. Similar like that, but poker is skill. Yeah. Um, I'm cryptos. That's another topic. Uh, I know yeah. a little bit about it. I have some things there, like anyone else. But uh, that's another long-term game. Very mm. long-term game, I would say. Mm. But uh, so you 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 get here to Prague. Uh, is is Prague some sort of a hub for online gambling, or is it IT skills here? Or what, what is it about Prague that makes a guy like you, with years of experience in the industry, come here? Uh, well, you know, it was, um, in my life, I had two opportunities to come to Europe to work. The first one was when I was studying physics, that I was offered to come to Germany to do a postdoc, well, to, to do a, uh, to keep studying nuclear physics uh, with a scholarship to get my master's, then the doctorate and postdoctorate, and then go back to Costa Rica to study. Uh, when they offer me that, I freak out and I say, fuck that, I don't want that. I don't want to be locked in an office three by two for 20 years while I paid the debt to the university. Um, so I declined that. And then after years of working in the industry, I got the offer to come here to work, you know, to set up a VAP department with a, with a company that was opening over here and everything. And I was very lucky to come over here and work with that company. It was a really good company. And the team grow. I set up everything. And that was the main reason why I came, you know. I, I said to myself, two times I'm lucky enough. The third time, I don't think it's going to happen, so I better take it. So it was funny as well because at that point I was just finishing building my house in Costa Rica. I lived in my new house for like two weeks and I had to come here. <laughs> <laughs> But is is Prague is Prague some sort of a gambling city? Uh, do you know what I mean? It, does it have any role in the chain? Uh, listen, somehow? Uh, Czech Republic has been a regulated market for some years now, mm. and there are some really big companies here. Mm. Uh, you can think about Deedsport, you know. Mm. You can think about Saska. Mm. You can think about Fortuna that they're mm. expanding to different regions as mm. well. Mm. They're really big, you know, and and you have a lot of providers as well inside here. Syst- they, system providers that system providers uh-huh. game providers that they are targeting different markets you know not only the internal market but also the outside market and i think checks they have in general the gambling in their veins as well because it's a really good market as well it's heavily regulated but it's really good and and by the time i came here 
I was at the beginning I was very focused on the company that I was working on, right? But once I start moving out and I start seeing the panorama around, you realize that there's a lot of people interested in these kind of industries, right? At the end, Czech Republic is not only about gambling, it's also a very strong player on crypto. They have a lot of crypto mining here. You have a lot of uh, startups and investment funds focused on crypto as well. And I think Czechs have this um, overseen, you know, this kind of uh, foreseen mm. uh, trends in the market as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, they're for- forward thinking. Yes, somehow. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm very thankful to be here in Czech Republic, to be honest. And, and, and I keep seeing similarities with Costa Rica. Not only that they begin with a C and an R, like Costa Rica, uh, not only that they have the same colors or flag, you know, not only that the, the cost of life is very similar than Costa Rica, but in general, um, I think this forward thinking of Czechs and the fact that Prague itself is so multicultural country is actually a perfect place when you want to start a multi-market gambling operation because you get people here from everywhere. So it's really good, the end of the mm, line. Mm. But uh, a little bit more. So, so yeah, online obviously changed the game. But, but do you think that um, online gambling will kill the land-based casinos, or, or, or is it a different group of people that that are people going for different reasons to? Because I mean, you said okay, gambling in a casino, you lose eventually. I mean, the house, the the game is designed so the house wins. And so it's entertainment, it's showing off, it's uh, thrill and excitement. Now, I don't get that in my living room playing on my mobile phone, right? Unless I have a bottle of Jack with me and... and uh, well, with a bottle of Jack, no matter what you're doing, you're going to have fun, right? Yeah. But in general, first of all, like the games are not designed for you to lose, mm. you know? The games are actually designed to you have as a return on every bet. Mm. It's an average statistical analysis but you have to disclose it and, and there are certifications and there's a lot of requirements that you have to comply to be able to access any market in general, mm. right? Uh, yeah, but, but they, in the end, the industry is not its not yeah, a charity it's, 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 that it's, gives you money. It's a no, charity. of course, of course. It's a long-term game. Yeah. That's my point, yeah. right? You, 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 you have some days that there are players who are going to win a shit ton of money. There are other, play, other days that they're going to lose everything and you're going to have all the complaints, but it's, it's what it is. That's life. You know, you take, you give. Um... In general, like if you were asking me a few years back about online and land base, I will tell you, yeah, online is gonna eat land base. I'm gonna shoot it and spit it out, and that's it. It's gonna be died. It's gonna be dead, because the real players, you know, like you have some players that go to land based casinos and they go for the free drink, you know. So they have ten bucks, they get cents. They play all night cents and they get hammered because they get free drinks mm. and they get free food. That's, right? that's, that's me. Yeah, that, that was me in college as yeah. well. Yeah. But that's not the target audience uh, that the casino want. The casino will take those players because they're going to fill a machine. They're going to take their money, whatever little it is. But the, what they want is these big players to keep coming and coming. And those players have to win. If they don't win, they will dry up. They will not come. They will complain. They will charge back. They will do all this other shit, right? They're going to put reviews about you and the beauty about online especially in covid right the whole covid kind of showed this a lot of bit um how necessary is for you to have an online presence because for a few years land base and online were seeing each other like enemies right if i'm a land based casino i don't like the online because they're taking the players away from me but they never invest in technology you know they're, they're very classic guys you know they're very mm-hmm. 
oriented on, yeah, on, brick, on brick and mortar brick and, and mortar you know the fancy life the mm. good suits the nice dinner the, the show treating mm. VAPs as they deserve online when you want to reach out for a player it's not the same approach you know you cannot be there to greet them with your hand you know the type of bonuses that you give and the way that you build rapport is very different but that doesn't mean that one thing excludes the other you know Right nowadays, um, especially with the COVID that I was saying, right, a lot of Lambe's uh, players realize that, and they're trying to, and they're moving online. And you see the boom. Existing operators online, they saw a growing numbers. No matter the market, they saw a grow. You have a bunch of people bored at home that they play casino. They cannot go out. They get tired of Netflix. What they're gonna do? Let's gamble a little. Let's put some spice in the life because that's what it is. And all of these players are moving now into online. And what I believe is going to happen, and I think the markets are going this way, is simply that the player will have a 360-degree experience. Yeah, yeah, offline, online. Exactly. You go to the casino with your friends. You have perks that you win online. You use it on the land base on the special day. You know. Then you go back after work. You play a little, a couple of hours. Then weekend comes, let's go to the casino, you have points, you redeem, you're a star there of whatever you're doing online. And I think there's a slowly changing paradigm, paradigm of the markets and the industry to go into this direction. That they will have a full universe in somehow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why that it's no coincidence, for example, like loyalty programs, right? Tesco, all, all those points that you get of whatever bullshit you are sign up right mm-hmm. you know where all this shit started mm. they started in, in caesar uh-huh. caesar's casino uh-huh caesar palace caesar palace with the harris uh-huh. they were the ones who started the loyalty programs uh-huh. it came from that casino industry uh-huh. i swear like when you're talking about adult entertainment casino and porn are the ones leading the changes yeah. in technology, yeah. rapport, yeah. and customer experiences. Yeah, because they they need it. I mean, like porn, for example, has done magic for you know download speeds, uh, packing of data, and stuff like that. Because you need to be able to send stuff and stream stuff in high quality. And porn were the ones who decided that VHS was going to be better than Betamax back mm. in the eighties. It's mm. no coincidence. Mm. And the same goes with casino business, with loyalty programs and player and customer retention and customer, you know, Mm. lifetime values of customers. Casino are the ones who are always leading the way. Mm. That, you know, you mentioned now customer retention and and so on. And I I was looking at your web page because, I mean, you are, you're offering consultancy. I mean, you're you're offering your expertise on a consultancy basis to to global players and, uh, and I was just checking out. Okay, so what what does that mean? And you, you have, you know, you're offering services or as or how do you say consultancy on strategic management. I give advice, right? Yeah. I better charge for something, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, segmentation models, retention, reactivation. What does this mean? I mean, what what is the segmentation model, for example, in in a casino or online casino? Well, you know, like um, any online business, right? Um, it doesn't matter what you're doing, data is there. Mm. And you're gathering that all the time, mm. right? What we try to do, especially what I try to do is, uh, first, what is the best way that I can divide the data and classify the different players uh, and give them over something according to this class that I create that will keep them engaged, excited, and returning? 
So yeah. I'm an A, B, C, D client or, yeah. or you know, or si this size or whatever. I define different KPIs for that, for, for the database. I anal analyze that and then I measure, for example, uh, customer retention rate, uh, customer churn, um, you know, lifetime value of the customer, you know. And I can define different parameters who allows me to make a decision on how I can create a player journey or or different promotions that will keep the the, the player engaged, excited, and loyal to the brand. Because at the end, that's what you want. We're we're seeing like imagine yourself <coughs> if you're in a street full of restaurants, right? And you know one restaurant, you know the owner, you know is your friend. You know you're gonna get a good deal. Couple drinks in the house. He's gonna tell you what's good for the day because the other food is gonna. So he's gonna give you good advice. You know he's gonna treat you lady properly. Even have something special on the table without you asking. Where are you gonna go? You're gonna probably go to your friend. You know you want to help your friend. Mm. That's the whole idea of what I do. So how, you're how basic, you basically trying to make them all feel special. Well, the thing is that if everyone is special, nobody is special, but they don't have to know that, right? Mm -hmm. You want to build rapport and you want to build trust in the brand the quickest way possible, but to sustain it in the long term possible. Mm -hmm. you know? But the personalized exactly. experience. But without actually meeting them face to face. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference, right? Mm -hmm. You cannot approach the same players as you will do in a land based casino as you will do in online. Mm -hmm cannot be done because and you, I guess in a land based because you know you don't have the same ability either to analyze data because it's not digitized you know well they're trying of course they have their they have state of the art systems you know to monitor mm. uh, whole ways to find cheaters and identify VAPs and make sure like if the drink is coming down have somebody with a new drink on the spot right but of course um, when you're doing the online there's a lot of things that you can do to automate this, to automate as much as you can, to use not only business intelligence reports, but use, uh, for example, real-time data to send promotions and, and features and things to the players that will keep them excited and engaged. And, and a lot of that has actually been built by gray areas of the industry, like the social casinos. Like if you go to Facebook or social media, you will not find a real money casino. A social casino, you'll find plenty of those. Those social casinos are the ones where you put money and you get play chips and you play. You will never withdraw money, no matter how much you win, you will never get a withdrawal. You just buy chips and play. But these guys define also the route of, of how to keep players engaged and addicted to this type of, of games, of plays, right? Mm. Uh, talking about that, actually, I mean... Uh you don't see gambling on social media. I mean, it it seems to be, which is really really interesting because it's a legal business in a lot of countries. Gambling is legal, but but social media has somehow made a decision that they are beyond the law and they can decide what is good for people and what's not. It it really depends on the jurisdiction mm. and if you have a license in the jurisdiction. Mm. So, for example, if you are, for example, Sasco Fortuna or the companies here in Czech Republic who are licensed you will find their ads in social media. If you're operating in the Czech market, but you don't have a license, you will not find the ads in social media. You will find them in porn sites. That's what they do. Or they use affiliation and other things, right? But you will not find in them. Because social media, I mean, if you think about, like, let's, let's, let's go back a little and, and you think about 
the whole speech and the whole things that have been happening the last few months about the alt-right and all the stuff that social media has been going through, they are going to be scrutinized very, very hard all the time. So they always have to go by the book. If you have a, a, a legitimate site regulated on a regulated market, you can have your ads. If you don't, you don't. And that's where social casinos, they don't care because... Gambling consists of three vertices, right? It's, it's the chance, the bet, and the win, right? So if, if, you, if that withdraw, if you take one of them, it actually stops being gambling. And this is actually the theory that, for example, the UK Gambling Commission used to determine that the eSports, the company that make games, PlayStation, that they have these uh, loot boxes and all this, this crap, they decided that that was not gambling because the players didn't have the ability to withdraw funds. Mm -hmm. They have a chance, the uh. loot box, they have the money in, uh. the deposit, the, the, comp, the, the pay <laughs> but for you it, can't win. but you cannot withdraw, so it's not gambling. <laughs> so based on that, they decided it was not gambling, so EA can do it, even though the, the mechanics of eSports, of the loot boxes, are condemned everywhere, and everyone in the industry knows that shit is gambling, and mm. that shit is preparing new gambling players for the whole industry. Mm. Um, how how is it um, also the other thing the payment gateways because I know that that my, I had a friend who worked as a risk manager for a like a, a visa card clearing house in Iceland and uh, and they were very paranoid about who they were doing business with you know they didn't want anyone in porn they didn't want gambling they didn't want this they didn't want that I mean is is that a thing in this I mean is are 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 you put to the margins? Do you have to have your own solutions? or Again, that that question is very related to, to which market you're working and what license you have. You know, in, in, in casino industry, we define three main markets. Regulated markets, that means markets who have clear laws on how you can work in the market. You usually have to pay for a license. You have to have certifications. You have to have different standards, right? Those markets have no issue. You can get whatever payment you want, you know. Then you have gray markets. Gray markets are countries that they really don't have any legislation about it, you know. So those ones you can operate, use different licenses here and there, use third-party providers, you know. Mm. And those, and they're those transactions, yeah, those transactions go through. It, it, the money goes, it's fine, mm. you know. And then you have black markets and the black markets is when they explicitly say that gambling is illegal like the u.s until a few years back right they have the unlawful gaming act you cannot do, you can you can you can gamble online but you cannot deposit or withdraw money so um what you have over there is a bunch of people that they're processing money in a way that is almost money laundering if not well it is money laundering because you know, you're processing money in a way that is not legal. But the truth is that all those banks, all those banks who who owns the cards that the customers are using, they see the transactions, they know they're gambling, they don't do anything until somebody complains because it's too much money. Mm -hmm. They're making money off this. Of course, all of them are making money. Mm. It's not, not coincidence that Wirecard, like most of the business of Wirecard, the company that fell in Germany like two years ago, mm. 
uh, most of their their car customers were gambling operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I I was a customer of there. We didn't have any gambling. We were probably the only non-gambling customer of Wirecard. <laughs> no, but that really hit the industry, and it hit not only the 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 gray market industry, but it hit also the regulated market as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and at the end, um, when you're operating black markets, you're risking a lot. You know, and that's something I, I work in the past. I, I, I consulted in companies that work in different black markets and everything. Even mm-hmm. when I was in poker, at that point, poker was technically legal and mm-hmm. I was working, I built my career starting there. Um, I remember when we had the choppers of the fucking FBI around our building <laughs> when yeah. the Black Friday happened in poker. Um, what was Black Friday in poker? Uh, that was um, sometime in April 2011. Mm. That was when the DOJ of New York and the FBI and the CIA, they seized um, three websites, well, four websites, the, the three major operators of poker in the U.S. That was uh, PokerStars, Full Tilt, and Absolute Poker and Ultimate Bet. They were on the same network. It was called the Sirius Network. I was working with them. In fact, I was scheduled to go to the WSOP on 2012 as a VAP manager, but of course, shit happened. I couldn't go. <laughs> But that was the the turning point of the industry, and now it's actually starting to regulate. A few years back, several states started legalizing. Now it's been discussed in like 40 different states or more. They already have like several legalized Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Um, uh, Yeah, there is a bunch of them that are already legal. There is a bunch of them that are discussing it. The only problem right now is that they cannot do bets between the states. So if you want to play poker, you can play poker in New Jersey. You cannot play poker in New Jersey with somebody in Pennsylvania because it becomes federal, unlawful gaming act. You cannot do it, whatever. But um, when you're working in these black markets, it's very risky. You know, you're, you're trusting, you're trusting somebody to process money, and you're trusting that they're gonna pay you. And what happened with the Black Friday, <laughs> and I discussed it with some people about it. Um, People rely on one payment processor that got caught, and that payment processor starts spilling the beans on everyone, and everyone fall after that. You know, it was it, it, it was a little bit insane. But do you think so? Do you? You th- your feeling for this is that the industry is getting cleaner somehow overall. I mean, it, it that that's more the move trend than than the other way around. Listen, um, I compare like, okay, casino gambling is adult entertainment, right? What else is adult entertainment? Alcohol, drugs, porn, right? All of it is a is adult entertainment, right? And uh, you know who Pepe Mujica is? Pepe Mujica is an ex-president of Uruguay. The guy is it's a guy who became president. He never took the salary. He was driving his 80 years car, whatever. But he was very wise. And, and that was the guy who legalized marijuana in Uruguay. And the guy said, uh, and, and it always stuck with me, if there is a market necessity for a product, no matter if it's illegal or legal, it's going to happen, right? So the best way to control drug, nar- well, narcos, was to legalize it, have it under control of the state so you can control the market, 
and measure it. That means regulation. If you, and I'm all for it, you regulate markets, you allow people to do what they want, but you control it. And you allow, you know, advertisements after 10, you allowed part of the funds to go into treating addiction. But it's going to happen, like, regardless. Gambling, like, gambling is as old as, as humanity, as old as prostitution, you know? The, the moment that you block it, the mm. moment that you would say it's illegal, people are going to find wa- mm. ways to play it, regardless of you. Mm. There is a big, I mean, in my home country in Iceland, there is a big discussion now, because, I mean, during the COVID pandemic, or so-called pandemic, it doesn't even deserve that word, but uh, during COVID, then... Uh, they closed down the the slot machines. You know, they they had these casinos. You know, in brackets, uh, you know, the slot machines, and they they closed them down because, yeah, you could maybe possibly trace COVID from a bu- pushing a button that somebody else had pushed. And and now, uh, obviously, the the puritans that know everything better than everybody else is saying that maybe we should never open those places again. The irony of it is that it's actually owned and funded by the addiction uh, association that helps people that fight addiction. So, so all the money that they make at least goes to fixing the problems that it creates. And, but, and and it's for me, it's just so naive to think that if I if I have a need to gamble, I'm gonna find my way, I, even if they close my local casino hall i'm just gonna go online or i'm gonna go somewhere else and do it or i'm gonna go into a basement somewhere with friends and i'm gonna gamble with them i mean it's it's very naive to think that this industry will die by blocking it somehow of course people if there's a will there's a way Mm. i always said that Mm. you know especially when you're dealing with commercial you have to have some north right if there's a will there's a way and it it perfectly applies to whatever you do in life and if you enjoy something you will find a way. If they tell you tomorrow, listen, playing football is illegal and you find you like to play football, you're going to play regardless of what the government says. Now, if you look at certain examples, you know, of also about this, there's, I always, I'm obsessed with looking at parallelisms because um, when I was studying physics and I was studying, especially uh, I was studying philosophy of physics, I was reading uh, um, this book from Thomas Combe. It was the measure of... Uh, scientific paradigms or something like that. It's Thomas Kuhn is fucking amazing. He's a scientific philosopher. He was saying about, he was always checking and comparing philosophies and, and theories, and he was saying, like, theories are incomparable or this and that. But when you're looking at parallelisms in history, uh, in regulations and adult entertainment, you can clearly point to certain examples like um, Portugal. Portugal was few years back, the, epi- the center of the cocaine epidemic in Europe. So how did they resolve it? Legalize it, they control it, and they took the funds. They give you drugs in the chance of you to go to rehab. In less, in less than 10 years, they fixed the problem. So what does that tell you? Regulations fix things because there are things that people want, and if the state forbids them what you're going to create is a black market it's just as simple as that if you have regulations you know who's playing you can put limits so they don't go overboard if they're addicted you can put help on their disposition because at the end like everything in life if you do 
something too much, you're gonna like it's gonna be bad for you, and you're gonna have people like that. Mm. I guess also like I'm thinking when you say this, I mean if 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 you look at gambling, it's it's in the best interest of me as a a gambling or casino or online casino or whatever I am. It's in my best interest to keep my customers healthy and alive for as long as possible. It's not, it's not in in your benefit that they actually. You know, there is this funny because um, when I was doing uh, some projects for some customers, right? Um, at a certain point, they were telling me, "But why are we not allow this player to deposit more if you already deposit a certain amount of money, right?" And I turned to them and told them, "Listen, because you need them to cool down. You want them to have them long term, because if you let them deposit everything short term, what is going to happen is that the guy's going to spend everything." The wife is going to leave him, and he's going to suicide. Or he's going to go broke. Or he's going to get lawyers involved. Any way you see it, you're fucked. And you see, most of the companies, for example, in UK, that have fines from the gambling commission is because they don't follow this mantra. You know? And you can see the parallelisms everywhere. You know? But that, that, that is something, I, you know, because, I mean, obviously, um, as we were chatting here before we, we started, then online gambling or gambling in general doesn't really have a necessarily a positive image i mean it's a, it's a, and it's weird because in some ways for example in some countries sports gambling or or, or you know picking the winners in a football match or, a, or or basketball or something that's perfectly fine but as soon as it becomes something else for the same amount of money then it's somehow if it's poker, ah, oh, that's not poker. Can't be good. You know it's what? It's not good. Yeah, like that. Slots. Mm, yeah. You know, but uh, poker is not really skills, and you hear all these excuses all yeah. around, man. But there are so the, I mean, and I, I, I guess there are these. There are, I don't know. The, yeah, there are risks for sure. I mean, because if we think about it, okay, with with online, and that's actually another. Thing just to interrupt you there. The risk is what you make make you keep coming back yeah 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 but there are also okay there's the risk that you seek or the thrill that you're seeking and the excitement and and the and the chance but there is also the the risk that that i go too far and as you were saying you know you were consulting this customer and telling them don't let that player or this type of player deposit too much because then his wife would leave him and blah 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 and then i mean like so first, I'm I'm just I was thinking about this before you came. Okay, so what are the risks here? And you know, one thing is scams. I mean, is there a lot of scams in this? Are are there a lot of fake pages that like you know they just you 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 leave your first deposit and then you page not found afterwards? Well, you know, I think there is not so much scams, but different approaches to this. You know, because there's one thing for certain. Uh, have you seen like there's it's his trip advisor, it's his Yelp. There are actually specialized forums where people give the reviews of the websites, right? If you want to be a successful site, you need winners. Not too many, but you need winners. And you need to provide a superb customer service and VAP service and retention service and all this stuff. Now, when somebody tried to scam you know, usually those operations uh, come and go really quickly. It's like the ICOs in crypto, right? There was a lot of boom in 2016 about ICOs. There was a lot of people raising money, and the coin just 
drop after the owners sell everything and they took the money somewhere you see issues in south korea for example of of people being sued about this type of icos and all over the world the same goes with gambling if you set up a, a sketchy website and then you raise all the money and then you and then you leave and everything shut down you open a new website people usually recognize who's the owner because it's the same format same structure whatever same games they recognize and um so i don't think the players and, and i don't mean the actual gamblers but i mean the, the organizations the, the players in the industry right they they can afford that nowadays what they do is that they cover themselves under the terms and conditions so it's really important for the organizations to understand their terms and conditions and they make it cost effective and to make sure the players are educated on the terms and conditions if you if you put the rules of the game and people understand the rules of the game you cannot complain later if you didn't got what you want because it was there and unfortunately a lot of sites they don't focus on that you know they don't tell people about the terms and conditions they don't they don't they just tell people after the issue happened not before and that's something that happens in general i think with all humans right people are more about uh, post maintenance instead of preventive maintenance. Talk about cars. Talk about health. <laughs> we only go and see the mechanic or the yeah. doctor after we fucked up, not yeah. before. But that—that's um, I actually, you know, if if I would go into a into a online gambling webpage, is there any is there any one or two things that you could tell me if 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 you notice this or see that, leave it or you, you know what I mean? Is there some are there some specifics that are always the common commonalities between the sketchy pages somehow, you know? Yeah, of course. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be straightforward on this. Mm -hmm. There's two things that you need to to check first. If you're a player, check forums. There are specialized forums to check on websites. Now, if it's a new website, check the terms and conditions. You always have to give the benefit of doubt. And some websites they do give good promotions, good service, a lot of things, and they're hammered down just because one or two players have a bad experience, you know? And again, we come back to the same thing about experience, like in Costa Rica, right? You have these reviews of the scare people and drive, but then when you go there, it's completely different. It happens as well online. And at the end, if you're a newbie in this and you want to figure out a website, you can make, if you don't find information offline in forums, right? In recognized forums, I'm not gonna give names because I'm not a sponsor, but there are. Um, if you don't find information, you can still make a small deposit. After you read the terms and conditions, you can make a small deposit because the promotion is really good. You can try it out and see if they comply. And if don't comply, I'll recommend you as a player, you do your review in one of these forums so people know. And what I found out, especially in the poker industry, is that the gambling community online is very cohesive and very united. In fact... And this is a uh, this is part of the story of Runner Runner. It's a movie that with Ben Affleck is completely exaggerated, but it's the same topic. Uh, the premise of the movie is that uh, Justin Timberlake is studying at the university. He's playing poker, online poker, to pay his studies, and then he starts losing, 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 and he he discover that the guy he was losing against he can see the cards. He can see the cards of everyone. Nobody can see everyone that sells cards in online, but he was seeing everyone. 
um, Absolute Poker and Ultimate Bet had that issue. In 2006 or 8, no, 2006 or 7, one forum, I'm not going to mention the name, but one specialized forum on poker united, shared hand histories, and figured it out that two accounts, one of each website, could see whole cards. Those accounts were controlled by the previous owners of those companies before mm-hmm. they joined. So they put in a bug in the system. They put themselves... Uh, yeah. yeah, the super users. Yeah, the super users, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what the name... Oh, yeah, so they, cool. they put it in. But the forum itself realized that. Yeah. And it was a mess. Yeah. Like, recovering for that took a lot of money, effort, and service. Mm. Until the Black Friday happened, it was like, okay, well, if you're gonna kill me once, now you kill me twice. There's no kill back again, you know. But I'm I'm curious actually about this cheating because um, I mean we've seen movies where where uh, there was this movie where where the, this group of students what was it called twenty one or something that group of students yeah the one with the teacher that yeah. was counting cards yeah. and like, like in Vegas and everywhere so right? so that that's you know like that that you can do in a physical environment. I mean you can you can cheat and cooperate and different kind of and now he's just finished the bottle of Jack Daniels I'm so fucking proud of you (laughs) it's a small bottle man and I I have my shot tomorrow of COVID so I'm not gonna drink in a few weeks so let me enjoy life (laughs) and uh, I have a beer for you when you run out of this Um, thank you um, yeah so in that movie you could see that you know there was this group of university students that that organized by their teachers that went to Las Vegas to play and and gamble and and uh, and I mean, and that yeah, you can do this in in a physical environment. But ca- can you? Can I, as a player, can I? I mean, obviously, if I'm a super user on a poker page and I see everybody else's cards, then I can cheat. But, but it, But I guess online gambling has kind of lim- eliminated cheating in a way, right? Well, yes. well, there are bots. No, well, that's mostly in poker. In mm-hmm. poker, because the thing about poker is a mix of skill and chance, right? Mm-hmm. You can be the best guy in the world that. Sometimes you get unlucky. Yeah, you, you get, get bad cards, and you get hit with your with your pair of aces against a two seven unsuited because he got a fucking full house, and you that happens, right? It's very unlikely, but the pace of poker on love nine poker is so fast that there you could see that, right? Now, online casinos themselves, um, you cannot count cards. Because sometimes you have five decks, sometimes you have seven. You really don't know how many decks you have. And the thing about online is that after every round, everything gets shuffled again. It's not like land-based that you start putting them on the side and then shuffle. No, everything gets shuffled on the spot. But they can tell you it's five, five decks, but it could be seven. You don't know really, right? Depends on the reputation and the certification you can be clear or not. The more regulated, the more security you have. But it's still, you cannot count because everything gets shuffled again. Um, then you have, for example, um, the live dealers. You have um, people dealing cards live with a camera and you're making your bet as if you were sitting down. But again, it's still online, you know? Everything gets flush and everything is not so easy you can still play by position but it's not so easy in the slots you have the rtp so you go by that and unless you're playing millions or hundreds of millions or billions of hands there's really very hard for you to show it what happened with uh, for example in that that poker sites that they were doing the whole cards it was an investigation of months if not like a year or two 
between the whole forum sharing and doing a statistical analysis on thousands and millions of hands with, with players narrowing down until they find the two players. So it, wasn't, it was a coordinated effort of hundreds of people in the forum to identify the players. Now, if a casino is going to cheat, it could happen. It's going to be very hard to prove it. But the more regulated it is, most likely it's not going to happen. More, more unlikely it's going to be happening, you know, because you have regulations, you have state and government departments that they can share the history. Mm. If the player complain, they check. Yeah, and they can and audit. Can, they can audit the. They books can and audit, the... and you can get fines or lose your mm. license. And uh, it's a big mess. Mm. Like I've seen companies that they get a fine from, for example, the United Kingdom uh, Gambling Commission, mm. and after they get the fine, they just stop offering uh, stop offering services because yeah, they go bankrupt. bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. The, the fines are no joke. Mm. But there is in 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 poker because you you mentioned that that you know um, or we, yeah we were talking about it earlier that that there are bots I mean there are robotic or computers that have that players are using to play on oh. their behalf right what you have is people sharing their hand histories um, mm. and you have this pool of hand histories and you have bots who can when you're playing. They can look for your username in the website, and they look for the whole history and analyze what you probably will do. Mm -hmm. That's what a, that's basically a bot does. Mm. Now, so it's actually protecting, pre, pre, predicting the op opposition. Mo what you most likely are gonna do based on your car history with a long on the long run. Uh huh. You know. And so I'm spying on my opponent. Yeah, because I take all this data from yep. thousands of players who have played with you in the past, and he start seeing your, the patterns on how you play, and mm. then he makes a decision on how you play. So I will know if he's bluffing. Exactly. Or if he, uh, but as the bot industry improves, there's the anti-bot industry improving. It's like the viruses and the, and the, and the antiviruses. It's the same game on a much smaller scale, but it's the fucking same game. And, and you find the industry on those. And that's a real problem in poker. The bots are a real problem in poker, but it's not a new problem. Most of the people who play online poker um they might run into a bot once or twice because there's so many players uh but most of them they know especially when you're playing tournaments or playing real money tables you are chatting you know if they reply to you or not and then you can make a decision and then you can report the account and the and the, at the site is going to check on that ban the account take the funds and re and give the fund back to the player because that's the difference between poker and casino and sports betting. Poker, you're playing your, your money against somebody else. The house takes a percentage. Yeah. That's it. Casino and sports betting, you're playing against the house mm -hmm. money. So it's different. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because in, in, in some way, um, you know, like you... I mean, yeah, you, you can't run a successful gambling page, I guess, without being taken care of your customers. And and prevent cheating, prevent bots and stuff like this. And I, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a paradigm or, or some sort of a stigma that is around online gambling that we we somehow think that land-based casinos are our friends, but then we have multiple cases where they're putting amphetamine in the drinks to keep you awake longer. I mean, you, they, they have all these tiny little manipulative tricks. I, I wouldn't say manipulator tricks, I say it was perks, 
But again, there are good players and bad players. I've heard stories about there is a big guy uh, who used to own one big Chinese export company. I'm not going to mention names. Um, I met the guy online in one company that I was uh, doing consultancy for. I talked to the guy and everything. Um, the guy was suing a big casino in, in Las Vegas because they were putting things on their drink. So he would not know what time it was. He wasn't feeling tired. Mm. And you know the spirit in the casino. You go into a casino. And you no can, You don't know mm. if it's night or day. There are mm. no clocks. Mm. There's no nothing. Mm. And that's for a reason. Because once you get in, you get in. Yeah, I love it. Uh, me too. <laughs> it's a great escape. Yeah. You know? And and But the thing is, what they were doing, it was very unlawful. Because when you start mixing... And it's like putting roofies on a fucking girl, man. You yeah, don't do that you shit, don't do man. This, no, no. no, you don't do that, man. No, but it's, I see it has to be consensual. <laughs> Gambling has to be consensual, basically, you know. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I think that that um, the the thing is though that I, I I somehow think that we 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 give because it's in a physical environment. We we somehow trust it more. Whereas an electronic environment is somehow we we are a little bit more skeptic in general, you know. Of course, because if it's physical, you have people there around you, people you can talk, mm. people you can complain mm. to, mm. right? Mm. But if you think the online world is not that different, um, generation change, people change, people understand. Right, right now, if you put a tweet, you can send somebody's life to hell. Oh, and yes. That's, and that's, yeah, that's yeah. the fucking reality, yeah. you know? And, and the same goes for casinos and everything, you know? Mm. You saw that poor guy in Megadeth that masturbated on, on a webcam <laughs> and he's been fired from a band that he's been in since eight, 1983 for fucking masturbating on a webcam. Which basically... It's, it's the same with the you, guy if, from CNN that he was on the fucking Zoom call that he was jerking off and he yeah. didn't know the fucking thing was on. I mean, who hasn't done this? We would all lose our jobs. I, I will never masturbate on a Zoom call. I don't know about you, Omar, but I never done. Depends on who the call is with. Good man. But uh, <laughs> uh, what about like I remember um, my 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 friends were uh, have been involved in in strip clubs in in Iceland historically, and and uh, and they told me stories, and and my friend at the credit card company also told me stories of 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 customers that were very happily spending money buying champagne bottles and private shows and stuff like that. And and then when they woke up the day after and found the visa card slips in their pockets and they checked the home bank and saw what they spent, they regretted the whole thing and tried to come back. Does that happen in gambling? Happens a lot, but I have a question. Those friends of yours were legal, yeah. licensed. Yeah, yeah. Can the guy recover the money? No, but exactly. It, no, you but know why? Because people are gonna try that. Mm. The sketchier the market, the sketchier the business, the risk increases. Because if you're regulated and you try to do that, the regulator is there. They can see the logs. They can see the APs. They can say you you are lying. Fuck off. Visa, Mastercard, they're gonna investigate. They're no joke. They're big and there's for a reason. Not because they're giving chargebacks. Trust me. But if you're working on a gray market, you can still defend yourself. But if you're working on a black market, you're fucking done. Somebody complains the back. Like if I'm a player, right, and, I, and I'm playing on, on an online website and I'm in a market that is illegal, right? And they, they do something I don't like, right? I go to the bank and tell them, 
all these transactions are gambling. The bank is, maybe he's going to close my account, but he's going to return my money because they're going to charge back all the transactions and the PSP is going to go down mm. immediately. Mm. But but do you see this, in a, let's say, in a regulated legal environment? Do, do people still try? Do you know what I mean? Have of you- course they try, but what they do is they go to the bank, they fail, they contact the website, the website is going to give them maybe a bonus, customer satisfaction. Fuck off. Because they have legal right to do that. Because they're regulated, they're compliant, they're paying taxes, they are supporting society. And if you cannot control yourself, is that the website problem? No. It's your problem unless you tell them specifically that you have an issue with gambling. And and and, and that still happens. Don't get me wrong. Like There are websites in UK and different regulated markets that... People have told them that they have gambling issues and they don't close the accounts. They left that open because the guy deposited too much and that becomes a huge mess down the line. So I actually, yeah, that was something that I wanted to ask you about because I'm, that's interesting. So I could basically blacklist myself if I lived in the UK, let's say. I could tell them, please, if I, if I sign up, don't take my money. There are systems in regulated markets where you can register you can identify yourself as an addicted gambler, right? And no matter if you try to open an account in any website regulated in that market, they will not take you. And that's where people start going to black markets, you know, because you think about black markets, about, like I was saying in the beginning, countries that for explicitly forbid online gambling. The thing about that is that it also sees black market operators. That means operators who operate in one market illegally, without a license, without complying, without putting you yeah, know, no, the effort, no authority, no, no surveillance. But it's a trade-off, right? They are less protected also if something goes wrong. They're less protected if mm-hmm. something were wrong, but usually they can offer bigger bonuses. They don't pay taxes. Mm. It's, it's a trade-off, as mm-hmm. you said it yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And it really depends on on what you're aiming. That's why I was telling you there's always good and bad players in any industry. Mm. The same is gambling. Gambling is no different. Mm. But uh, I mean, it's uh, are, are, is this industry? Let's say if we if we just focus on kind of the legal or legalized and and, and regulated part of the industry. I mean, are they? Are they donating money to I don't know gambling addictions? Is is is, the, yes. is this no? There is there is social like, responsibility in there that is, sense. There is a a lot of social responsibility. Like I've seen operators even in gray markets that they don't have to, but they want to, not only contribute for things that are gonna benefit the players on the run, long long term, like in terms of addiction and everything, but also benefit like lower social classes, help them with. You know, people who cannot buy, I don't know, things for their kids for school or have a house or anything. You see these programs because the industry itself, as I said before, you know, it's like alcohol. It's adult entertainment. It's not different. The only difference is that we take 18 and up, you know. Uh, uh, and there's a whole process about it that probably we're going to discuss in a bit. But in general, they want to make sure that people understand, yes, gambling it could be bad for you, but it's a form of entertainment and leisure. And all whatever we reap, we give back to society. And you see that a lot. 
I think uh, Saska here in Czech Republic and Fortuna, they have funds to support uh, different causes as well. And I'm actually, whenever I see a big operator doing this, I feel proud. I feel proud because, yes, a lot of people have a stigma about it. A lot of people don't like gambling. But on the difference between gambling and narcos is that we give back. And we comply with laws. And we can regulate. And we want to regulate. Because it's going to be for the best for everyone. Why? Because there is a market necessity for gambling. And the fact that the governments don't regulate it creates black markets. Black markets is bad competition against us. It's is complaints, is is stigma, is all of this. The same you can say about porn, the same you can say about prostitution, the same you can say about everything. Mm. No, that's true. Um, but I mean, some of the things that, that uh, are, you know, like where I think that people are maybe, um, how do I say, a little bit more skeptic about the whole online thing is the fact that, you know, like you're, it's open 24/7 you are you can be home in the pajamas uh the the the, the speed of play is usually faster. faster you can have multiple screens and you can be playing multiple tables and and you know like the, so i think but and then you know like you think okay so yeah but if i'm an addict anyway if if that if i have that genetic uh, def defect or whatever predisposition yeah in myself i'm gonna i'm gonna find the way for this and i'm I'm thinking do you do you think that there is a more gambling addicts now than before online came or do you know what i mean is of course of course i i don't think so and there's a simple reason for that um right now we can quantify them before we couldn't you know, and right now there is one of the things that I believe regulation does and does very well is identify problematic gamblers. Imagine a world right now, let's say, for example, alcohol. Alcohol is legal everywhere, right? But there's no exact coordinated mechanism to identify alcoholics. If I'm mm -hmm. an alcoholic, I can go to a liquor store, even in my own neighborhood, and I can still buy alcohol. Maybe my own neighborhood, not because they know I'm an alcoholic, but in the next neighborhood, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, imagine a world where every country is regulated and you can identify yourself by IP, name, email, phone number, whatever, mm. as a problematic gambler, or your family can do it for you. Mm. And no matter where you open an account, it's going to be blocked mm. immediately. Mm. So do you have, a, is there, I mean, is there any, anything like a centralized database in the industry or is there a There's, talk of that? Or? No, th there is uh, by market right mm -hmm. now. Mm. And the problem with that is that you drive these players into black market operators. Mm -hmm. uh, but ideal, you want to actually have them mm. uh, created for every single country and have a consolidated system that you can block everywhere. That's why the industry is so pro-regulation. Mm -hmm. not against it because regulation is health less risk more fun yeah and business no. continuation exactly mm. but what up Emiliano what, what about um, 
and congratulations with the beer now. You, you moved on to softer stuff. Just a calm before the storm, I guess. Yeah. I'm taking my vaccine tomorrow, so I better take today as an advantage. My wife is out of, of the home today, so I have a kind of a whole pass for that, so all good. <laughs> well, how, how do how do gambling companies um, ensure that, that you're over 18? How, how, how does that work? Okay, there's always, no matter the market, and this applies for everyone, there's mm. always a KYC procedure behind it. You know, you know your customer, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, they're going to be like, okay, you can make maybe one deposit or two, but after that, you're going to have fraud investigating your account. You're going to have document requested. Uh, sometimes it has happened on some of the deals and, and the consultancies that I've done in the past that um, players come and they realize they're underage uh, because the, the, the father or the mother call. So no matter what market you're in, the account gets banned on the spot and the deposits get refunded. You know, if they had winnings and they, they probably wouldn't be able to withdraw it because KYC, right, you request documents. But the money is sent back to the court because it's better to have that than have the stigma of allowing underage. Now, that's for real money sides. I like to think, and probably it does happen, that most of the social casinos, because they rely on Google and Apple Pay, they don't even have to worry about that because Google and Apple Pay, I mean, they know even at what time you go take a shit, right? It's Google yeah. and Apple, you know, mm -hmm. they know everything about you. But uh, real money casinos, um, they do all this process to ensure mm. that you're overage. Now, keep in mind as well that usually these, especially in black markets, they want you to be 18 or up. They will tell you that you have to have the legal age of your jurisdiction to gamble. Mm -hmm. But most of the black market operators, they just care that you're 18 and up. Because mm -hmm. 18 and up is like the standard in most of the jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious also, like, uh, and when we met, actually, we met at the old part just a few weeks ago to to um, to talk a little bit to prepare. By the for way, this. great old and great coffee. I yeah. do love that place. It's a sh I'm I'm looking forward for that reopening. By the way, yeah, yeah, the old part is moving to a new location. So so, um, then you told me that that uh, actually COVID has increased business in online gambling has had a, a big effect right no of course like you have a bunch of people locked down at home right it gets to a point that netflix and playstation gets to a level if you're not a gambler if you're a gambler <laughs> welcome to the online gambling but most of the land base they already knew it if you didn't knew it now you know it and of course the numbers have been increasingly high the, the main issue that happened with COVID was at the very beginning, well, well, I say mid last year when the sports got completely canceled all over the place, especially the U.S. sports, because, okay, you can gamble in your local sports, but most of the people also gamble in the U.S. sports, and there's a reason behind it, right? Um, once they all got shut down because of COVID, not only the sport industry went to a stall, but the sports betting industry went to a stall. So what happened there? All these people, all these gamblers, started spending money in casino, virtual sports, which is random number generator 
matches based on the teams and the scores that they have on their players that generate who is going to be the winner. And you have a, uh, you have a, a match every 15 minutes, like a clock. Or, or some sites, they set up AI controlling like MB2K teams to play against each other. So you have the Your same AI yeah, yeah. playing against each other and people were gambling against it. And you still have the same mechanic. It's a random number generator who's going to predict the winner. You have shorter matches with the teams that you love going quicker. And the virtual sports grew a shit ton. And the other segment that grew a ton was esports. You have a bunch of people who love sports. They're maybe not so trustworthy about the virtual sports, but they went to esports. When you have a bunch of kids, well, not kids, because a lot of them were already overage, they're professional, they have their trainers. It's, mm-hmm. That's a whole world, right? Yeah. They're, they're I, had, fucking, I had a guy from an esports team here. Yeah, I yeah. heard the interview. Those yeah. guys are proper esports, esportmen, yeah. yeah. you know? And these guys, um, these gamblers start analyzing the statistics and they start making their predictions, start gambling on that. So the mm. esports betting went off the roof. Mm. And if you think, and you were so naive to think mm. that esports or sports are not linked to gambling, you're so wrong. Mm-hmm. Even Michael Jordan got entangled in yeah, a gambling yeah, scheme yeah, in the past. So yeah. give me a break. Yeah. Um. I'm 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 just now I've been thinking about this now while you were talking that I used to work in the financial risk industry for for uh, quite a few years and uh, and actually what we were maybe you should move to gambling just yeah, well because we were actually doing the same we were <laughs> I'm just we saying were, maybe you have a future there Alma think yeah, about it I don't have a future but uh, <laughs> neither do I but I'm still here yeah um, but I I uh, I realized that. When I was listening to you, that that in some way we were we were doing a lot of the same stuff because we were using historical data about about uh, debtors of banks and financial institutions. We were analyzing their payment behavior, analyzing their payment capacity, and then helping the banks suggesting new products to increase the lifetime and long term value of that customer, and uh, and all. Yeah, it's a very regulated industry, banking, obviously. So they had to... I hope so. Yeah, they had to do their... I have my fucking money, Almar. Yeah, we had to do, you know, know your customer, anti-money laundering and all that stuff. Which is basically the same stuff as a, a regulated gambling company, online gambling company has to do. And you are using the same mechanics. You are analyzing the, the clients and then saying, okay, we can give this guy a higher credit limit or we can do this to him or we can help him with okay, that. Okay, you can get this bonus or this yeah. and that. It's the same. The only difference is that we're not a fucking bank. You leave your money with us. After six months, we're going to take it because we're not a bank. Or we start charging you for that because we're not a bank. And you have a lot of sites and you have people actually that think that gambling sites are banks and they leave their fucking money there for years. And then they come back and there's nothing there. Why? Because... You never log in in a year. Fuck off. A bank has to keep it. Uh, gambling industry, no. But in that sense, like data science, business intelligence, AI behavior analysis, they're very important in the gambling industry, like in any industry right now. We're in the world of big data. Amazon, Google, Apple, Microsoft, they all 
they are big not because they're well-hearted. They're big because they know their big data analysis. Yeah, they know how to use the data to get more exactly. from us. Exactly, and all mm. of us, all of the other industries are following behind them because data, data science, business intelligence, and AI use mm. in the proper way can lead to big results in the long term. Mm. But, um, and uh, yeah, and in the end, and in the end, what what we what we saw that we were helping the banks with was to keep. It wasn't in anybody's interest to bankrupt the customer. It was not in anybody's interest to sell him a product that he couldn't deal with. So it's the same thing. It, it's increased lifetime value. Yeah. The only difference is with gambling, you get entertainment. Yeah, it's more fun than to go into the bank. But exactly, a little bit more. I had, fun. I had fun though during the COVID when I went. I went once to a physical bank branch during COVID, and it's the first time that I could I drive imagine. my. I drove my Harley to the bank. Please went tell in me you, without mask. No, I went in with a mask, and I was like, "Wow, I would never be welcome in a bank with, with a, a mask, mask before." before. <laughs> I was Harley. thinking about it a yeah. lot. You know, all these fucking uh, mugglers—they're yeah. having the time of their life yeah, yeah. if they find somebody to muggle. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so where's the what are the trends now? Where's the industry going? What what's what's kind of the buzz? Okay, and at this point there is saturation. I'm going to be honest. There is saturation of providers in every sense of gambling. But innovation is around the corner. Innovation in the sense of understanding player behavior, player behavior analysis and reward systems fast is the future. On the same token, like I was saying before, between the land base and online, that 360 degrees vision where you can take your online benefits into a land base is the future. Because as much as you want to have your beer at home, you will always enjoy your beer with friends at a pub. That's why land base will not end. But if you manage to tie it up, and this can apply to any industry, if you can apply the benefits of your, what you do at home with what you can get in a physical place with your friends, mm. you're hitting the fucking jackpot. Mm. Yeah, it is an interesting thing. I mean, and that that must be like COVID in some way that has a positive effect on the traditional land-based casinos that they need to think about this in a different way. You have to open up, mm. you know? Mm. You have to open up in a way that you have to understand that if you're in the gambling industry, your competition, if you're land-based, is not online. And if you're online, your competition is not land-based. Your competition is porn, alcohol, drugs, uh, Netflix, mm. you know, mm. PlayStation, mm. because there's a bunch yeah, of any, players any operating, other uh, any other, other entertainment. entertainment. Mm. You're in the entertainment business. So what's, what's your responsibility? Entertain in a safe and healthy manner. If you become unhealthy, you cannot control yourself, irresponsibility of the site to do it. Not that, uh, like I said before, if I'm alcoholic, I may not get booze from that local liquor store, but I can walk 100 meters and get liquor from the, from the next one until they buy me and then go to the next one. That's the difference between gambling and other entertainment business. We can control it. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a good uh, kind of uh, yeah, final summary on it in some way. That, uh, Analogy, right? Yeah. Entertainment for adults. Yeah. That's the main motto of the fucking yeah. <laughs> conversation, I guess. 
And but, it's better than financial services. I'm sorry. Alan. Yeah, it was, I apologize. Yeah. It's just the truth. Yeah, but there was money there. Um, that in casino as well. Yeah. <laughs> and we can get girls because we have live dealers. So what's your pitch now? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, talking about entertainment, just uh, before we stop, you, you, I know I saw also that your name popped up in organizing goth parties and different kind of things. What's that? What side of you is that? Well, you don't look goth here. I mean, you're not like a goth guy. Uh, just a two of one of my arms black. I mean, yeah. you cannot get more goth. goth or whatever, or satanic or whatever. You, well, I'm talking to a wrong person, right? Your both um, arms are two. Yeah, 100% like, satanic. That's uh, that's a topic for, an, for the next... Uh, yeah, but you do these parties and these Yeah, events. yeah, I did these parties in Costa Rica. Uh, when I started, the, the, when I was a kid, right? When I was 18-year-olds and all... Uh, there was a big trend of gothic, like we're talking about beginning of the thousands or so, right? And then everything dropped. People like the guys organizing the stuff, they did a mess, they split, nothing happened. And a few years, years later, I decided to take over that. So I started organizing parties. I have I have really good friends, brothers and sisters in Costa Rica. I can name like Andres and, and, and Raquel and of course my wife, Desi, um, we started organizing these raves and parties and everything. I started getting into doing visual DJing. And it led me to actually bring one of the the biggest goth band in in America, Latin America, who uh, there were two cousins. One lived in Mexico and the other lived in Germany. Actually, I talked to them. They came to Prague. I loved, I loved them. I talked to them all the time. I took them twice to Costa Rica, and I brought to Costa Rica also Joe Letts, which was the drummer of Combi Christ, which was a huge goth band that back in the day, now still, but the guy is playing with a band with Rammstein. He actually, <laughs> this is funny, he invited me, uh, what was it, uh, not last, the, previ- the, the previous year, 2019, he invited me to his concert. He was playing with Rammstein in Prague, and he invited me to come to the concert, and he will take me back so I can meet Richard and Till Lindemann and all the guys from Ramstein. That fucking week I was in Philippines working uh-huh. in an expo, so I couldn't go for oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. But he's coming next year, so. But hopefully. are you, are you, are you, what is a goth, why is a party goth party? I mean, what, is it like how you dress, how you make up, or is it the music? What, it's, what it's, makes a party it's, goth? It's a mix of everything, you know, mm-hmm. it's because goth goes from post-punk all the way to aggressive techno. It's, it's a spectrum, right? But, the golf community identifies themselves as outsiders from the regular people. In fact, over here, when I came to Prague, I started dealing with the people that do golf parties over here. They never took me seriously until they broke. They brought in Aesthetic Perfection for a concert. And the drummer of Aesthetic Perfection, it was Joe Letts. And he told the, the organizer, listen, this guy's coming. He's my friend. He organized parties in Costa Rica. He comes in bring it to the backstage. And from that day on, they remember my name. They know who I am. I was actually uh, two Saturdays ago with them on the World Gothic Day. They invited me to this party event in Stomovka. And fuck, I, I, mix, I mix a lot of Jack with Johnny with beers. And anyway, it was a mess. I was trying to call an Uber using my Echo Bank account. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank God for my wife. I love her. She's a saint. She saved you. Oh, she called the Uber. <laughs> So, so, and and is this something that you you're gonna get into this here as well? I mean, that's your plan. Uh, I'm trying. 
it's not my plan because I'm quite busy between the consultancy and everything, but I do I did enjoy a lot doing visual DJing, which is basically putting uh, different videos and mixing them live with the music. And I've been telling them about it because I have the equipment to do it. And I hope that I actually start doing that here in golf parties and everything. I'm talking with the guys from Sanctuary.cc. If you don't know it and you live in Czech Republic and you want to have a taste of the dark of the golf here, because actually they do some big golf parties here in Europe. And the big one is coming in August, which is called the Gothic Treffen. And I don't mind announcing them because it's something I love. Um, those parties are really good. I'm talking to them to become visual DJ, to start trying it out again because I haven't done it for years. But it's something that, you know, you love. It's like music. Yeah. You just run in your yeah. race. Yeah, I, don't, I just, you know, I just saw this. I don't, I don't know much about it. I need to come to one of those parties and try it out and, and uh, see what it is. Uh, I mean, it's not like going to a cemetery and digging up a body or something and peeing on it. Sometimes. Ah, okay. I mean, <laughs> I count, count me in. Count. <laughs> But, uh, no, but 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 in general, like next party, I'll let, I'm gonna let you know. But these guys are really also. It's not only about the goth parties as well. There's also a lot of fetish. These guys work really close to Hell.cc. They organize all the fetish, the prof fetish weekend, and they organize the, all these fetish events. And it's if you want to taste like the forbidden and go a little bit beyond, you don't have to get involved. It's not like everyone is fucking each other, but you want to see what's going on. You can come with your partner, and it's actually really fun. You actually, in the golf parties, it's much about dancing, meeting people, drinking, everyone dressing black, everything is dead, but we're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> and the fetish prank and all this stuff is about, there's a bunch of toys, there's a bunch of clothes, mm. there's people fucking, and it's a good time. Yeah, sounds great. It is it, great. It, can you gamble on your phone at the same time? Well, I don't think you have time to that to, to take your phone because you're so into the stage that I doubt it. But you can try and let me know how it goes. Yeah. Has the has the physics helped you in gambling, or the the thinking process that you had in physics has it somehow helped you along in your career? Because you were on the track to become a physicist. physicist yeah. yeah. Well, you know the the thing about physics the physics is that you you hit a lot of hard math. And with hard math comes a lot of hard modeling. With a lot of hard modeling comes segmentation, prediction, certain models that you can do. Uh, just for a couple of customers right now, I did several segmentation models based in math uh, that I'm very proud of. I'm not going to disclose my secrets because I'm a magician, but uh, all the models have been involved. They always increase revenue and player retention in the terms of 50 to 100% or more. Because you manage to identify, not everyone has the same data points, that's one thing. So you have to adapt to their data points. And once you adapt to their data points, you can adjust, create your reports, create your work methodology, build your team, and let it go. Because at the end, I cannot be involved in all the teams. I just build teams, let go. Mm. So in some in some sense, you're using the same thinking process or the same part of your skills of set. course because mm. you need to understand first dispersion of data you need to understand um what's going to be the sigma what's going to be uh the deviation that they have you need to understand how you're going to normalize the data you need to understand which points are really relevant which are not and you need to 
after that, apply your experience on how you're going to build a team around this data that can build rapport quickly. So it's a mix of physics and math with uh, the hospitality services and how you can reach out without actually meeting them again. So are you happy that you didn't become a physicist nerd and you became a gambling nerd instead? Can I reply that before I die? Yeah. Okay, so we we'll leave that wait, hanging. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Well, if okay, so Emiliano, if if people want to know more about you, what do they follow? Uh, it's very simple, man. I, I have, um, I just recently opened my my consultancy here in Prague. I used to have it in Costa Rica. Now I opened my official company here. Uh, it's linked to my URL, so it's e.sanchez.eu. You cannot get lost over there. You'll find all my links, my LinkedIn. You'll find my articles. I usually write for different gambling specialized uh, news media as well. Uh, you'll find my experience, the companies that I'm working on right now. And moreover, you'll find my phone number. So if you want to call me at 3 a.m. just to breathe on the phone, feel free. I might breathe back. But you'll find my Skype. You'll find my email. You can reach out. I'm there for you for everything that you need. Okay, great. And guys, uh, thanks for listening. Follow the show on Facebook, uh, The Bunker, How the Hell Did We End Up Here? Uh, Instagram, The Bunker Prague. And uh, yeah, uh, review and uh, share and uh, talk about this show. Hope you enjoyed this. It was a pleasure having you, Emiliano, and I hope we will meet again and, and have some drinks together and, and go and dig out some graves somewhere and, and do some gothic stuff. I just hope the same, but next time I need to see you drinking as well. I feel like I'm uh, lonely over here. I had, I had half water, a liter. Water doesn't count, man. Half a liter of sparkling water here. <laughs> it doesn't count, Almar. Oh. Well, I, I, I led you this time because you're driving. Next time you leave the beautiful, amazing, lovely, gorgeous bike that you have home. You take a fucking over like the rest of us, the yeah. normal people. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.